You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode number 153, featuring up-and-coming 19-year-old professional race car driver, Clay Williams. Remember, this is your podcast. Together, it's all about car community, car culture. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, meet Clay Williams, a young and upcoming professional race car driver who enjoys both the business and the competitive driving side of the racing industry. Clay is on his way to rising through the GT racing ranks, and when he's not building seat time in his own spec Miata, he's making a name for himself on the mini JCW race team. It's time to head to the Bay Area in Northern California to get some conversational fast laps with Clay. So, let's get revved up. Hello and welcome back, Tubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren. As always, it is great to have you join us again this week. Are you ready for another audio trip? All right, well, let's get rolling. This week, we're going to be talking to Clayton Williams. He is on the West Coast, and he has worked his way up from go-karts, and now he is uh, involved in the TC, or Touring Car America Series, he also uh, is racing in NASA NorCal Spec Miata with his own vehicle and uh, proudly is on the mini JCW race team. So we're looking forward to you meeting him and hearing about how he's been racing over the past uh, 11 years and working his way up and hoping to uh, get further up into the, the GT car uh, part of his career. So we'll go to that uh, interview here very shortly, but we'll be back in about 60 seconds. Right now... We would like to proudly mention our official OEM sponsor, Porsche Mechanicsburg. In the market for a Macan, Cayenne, 718, or 911, Porsche Mechanicsburg will match you with the perfect vehicle from their extensive inventory of pre-owned and new models. When it comes to service on these magnificent machines, their record of quality workmanship is unmatched with a staff of mechanics whose prowess in all facets of Porsche engineering is world-class. These are all time-tested trademarks that have been part of the Faulkner Auto Group since 1932. 2021 will witness an expansion of their sales and service excellence with the now-completed new state-of-the-art Porsche Center. Located at 6625 Carlisle Pike, Porsche Mechanicsburg is the destination when ready to make that dream a reality. Parked in your driveway. We are on the starting grid in the pole position, waiting for the Le Mans start to this week's guest interview. But first, let's launch the trivia question. Going around that racing theme, what U.S.-based race facility is known as, quote, America's National Park of Speed, end quote? And as a hint, you'll hear during the episode and in the interview itself, I asked Clay what his favorite racetrack is, and that actually is the answer to this week's trivia question. So, you'll hear that at the end of this episode. For now, let's head to Northern California by phone and meet professional race car driver Clayton Williams. 
Hello, Cubers. This is Darren, and I am on the phone tonight with Clay or Clayton Williams. Clay, I know we really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy racing schedule, talking to you out of the Bay Area in Northern California. How are you this afternoon, evening? I'm doing good. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Awesome no, here. so good to have you. In fact, I've been uh, for a little bit now. I've been trying to follow your your racing. Talk a little bit about. Um, and before we close, we'll give people all of your social media uh, and where they can find you and follow. But talk a little about, let's let's talk current day and then we can rewind back to how you got into racing and, and karting and, and what really was the foundation to that. But just a couple Sundays ago, before we came on air, you were telling me about a podium finish. Amazing. Uh, and you actually, you and a teammate both stood on the podium couple weekends back so talk a little bit about the the racing series you're in the fact you're driving the mini and uh maybe if you want to mention your sponsors and and what's happening in your season right now let's start there then we'll go back yeah so uh right now i'm uh racing in two different series uh the first one is uh it's more of a grassroots racing series um it's uh with nasa norcal um in my spec me on it's my own personal car so that's much more of like a local type uh racing and it's just to get more seat time and then uh, actually through a, a mutual friend i just um started to race in a series called tc americas or touring car americas with uh, the gt world challenge and uh that i made my professional racing debut last year and i did a couple races with them and then this year i'm planning on doing a full season with them and we just had our first race uh, locally uh coincidentally at uh Sonoma Raceway, and uh, I was able to get onto the podium third place right next to my teammate who finished second, Mark Pombo. So that, that's where I'm at right now, racing those two series, and uh, it's been going good so far. So Outstanding. That's where I'm at. Good for you. In the, in the mini, depending on the track and how long the straightaways are, but what what are you maxing out on on, on, the, on the straights in, that, in the particular setup um, with the mini? Uh, depending on the track, uh, the last year I did a race at Road America, and the quickest I got up to was about 135 Okay. in the Mini Cooper. So sure. They're pretty quick for them little cars. Absolutely. Now, is it is it the two-door Clubman, or what is it What is it built on as far as the overall chassis? Uh, it, it's a completely stock ta- chassis. They're, they're street-made uh, cars from the, right off the dealership, but they're obviously that, and then they have their full roll cage and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, due to the series, it's the there's different manufacturers within the race, such as Honda and Honda and whatnot, so that there's a balance of power where they have to adjust the powers between the cars. Like a so it all varies. Yeah, it all it all varies throughout the weekend on uh, speeds and whatnot and weight. Okay. Um, other than that, they're they're just street cars, Very nice. um, built into race cars. Well, tell me more about the, the GT World Challenge and, and, and the touring car, um, TC America. How did you, again, you said it was a, a friend that kind of introduced it to it. How, um, how have you found the series? I mean, what have you, been, what have you even learned in the last uh, season plus? Uh, what are some things that really are major takeaways from you or for you? Yeah, so uh, I actually got into the, the Touring Car America series uh uh, through a mutual friend, uh, Tomas Mejia, uh, who was actually with the mini JCW team uh, with LAP Motorsports, who uh, introduced me to them, and I ended up joining them and did that, uh, the first few races with them last season, towards the end of the season. And uh, But yeah, I've, I've learned a lot. You know, it's, 
it's been definitely a, a different journey compared to the more grassroots, uh, like the Spec Miata. I've, mm-hmm. it's, it's a completely different animal. There's uh, all the different balance of powers. It's, I've never done any sort of uh, major sports car racing, so that was my um, takeoff. Is just it was just a big learning curve, um, learning all the different techniques and how that whole racing series works compared to what I'm used to. So mm-hmm. it's definitely I've definitely had to learn a lot. All the the front wheel drive racing and compared to the rear wheel drive, it, it's been pretty cool so far. So there's still definitely a lot to learn, but I, I it's it's been fun. What kind of transmission drivetrain? Uh, I mean, are you is it are you doing paddle shift uh, on the track? Are you how how do they have it set up for you? It's just a five-speed stick. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's the exact same as a street car, so it's, it's pretty standard. It's nothing nothing uh, too high tech, but now do you do any heel towing when you get into chicanes and things like that, or? Oh yeah, all all heel tow, rev matching, everything like that. I still got to do all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the car itself has all sorts of different assists, as all the ABS stuff I've had to learn and traction control. I had to learn how to work work with those electronics. Um, has been pretty cool as well. So good, um, and that's yeah, probably a sweet. departure from your your spec Miata too, which is a little more um, kind of stripped back, essentially, right? Yeah, they're they're much more simple in a sense. I mean, there's not very much more. Um, it's just rear wheel drive, and there's just not there's very little assist on the spec Miata compared to the Mini Cooper. So mm-hmm. it's definitely been quite a bit of a learning curve, but it's it's been a blast. Certainly. Now, how long have you had your personal spec Miata? Uh, I've had it for about two years now. Um, I got I got out of karting and then it got into the spec Miata racing. So I've been doing that for a little bit while now, and it, it's been a blast. And uh, I'm super thankful that uh, I'm able to be able to race the spec Miata and the Mini Cooper. So yes, indeed, for sure. And I think one of the things too that I was really impressed in, in doing some research about you too is. The fact that you are truly treating your racing career as just that, as a career, and and with that, um, what I've read about uh, about you on LinkedIn and and like I said, other research is that you, for at a very young age, at nineteen, you're extremely shrewd about being very obviously grateful and appreciative for what you have, but also understanding building your business acumen and knowing how to navigate um, doing you know doing the very best you can for your sponsors and partners and building these these strategic alliances and and seeing it more than just uh, seat time but it is a, a business and you want to talk a little bit about how you're going at this with uh, an entrepreneurial spirit yeah so I mean racing it's it's definitely a business like you said like it does, I mean you could bring all the talent in the world but if you, if you don't have the funding or the, the right connections it, it you could not make it so um, I've been definitely trying to treat it as professional as I can and making all the right connections I mean you know just just like you said outside of the sea I'm doing everything I can to make sure uh, I'm able to race and um, so I've been trying to connect with lots of people everyone I can and um, trying to make everything fall into place so I can continue my racing career. Let's just uh, let's take a pause and go back uh, from online. I saw that uh, you had started racing around the age of seven. Can you take us through what when you maybe came home to your parents and said, "I got to do this"? You know, you have to help me buy a go kart. Or how how did it all start for you? 
Yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, I was about seven and eight years old. Um, it was actually a, a, a friend in the neighborhood. Uh, they had a little go-kart in the garage, and I just for whatever reason, I just, I just fell in love with it and had to have one. Um, and uh, my dad grew up uh, racing, drag racing, just locally and whatnot. So um, coincidentally, he loved, loved automotive vehicles as well. So um, he got me a go-kart after I begged him for quite a while. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we got a go-kart, went to a couple of local tracks, and slowly got up to speed. And, and then uh, um, I think I realized then that it's something I really want to pursue and do. Because, you know, I tried baseball and soccer and football and all the other traditional sports, and it just it just wasn't for me. And then I found this, this racing thing, and I just I just fell in love. So <laughs> I've been hooked ever since. And uh, I know I went up all the way to the national level in karting and got into the spec Miata. So it's been, a, it's been a ride for sure, and it's been uh, – I'm very thankful, like you said. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Very, very good. Well, what um, what are some of the off track? I know, obviously, you have your spec Miata, but personal vehicles you've had, uh, and I know you've, you've your your on road driving career is not as as long as obviously your your track career. But are there cars in your driveway now, or uh, dream cars you'd love to have in your garage someday as you continue your success in in the racing world? Yeah, so uh, coincidentally, alongside of my uh, my spec Miata, I do have my own daily Miata as well. Um, it's a it's a 1996 white Miata. It's a fun little car. It's just my daily. Uh, you know, it's it's I have a bunch of parts for it. So if I ever need anything, um, so that I have that. And then I also uh, my first car was a, a, a 1990 BMW E30. Mm. Um, so that, that's what I have right now. It's not really running at the moment. It seems like it has a blown head gasket. But uh, those are the two cars I got in the garage right now, and I, I love working on them. I work on them almost every day along with my spec Miata. So, Very nice. Um, yeah, it's been pretty sweet. Well, as far as you know, just doing your own wrenching, has that been something you've been doing long before you had a, a street license? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've worked on the, the go-karts and everything like that, and my dad has taught me everything I know about automotive, so, um, yeah, I've been wrenching as, as long as I remember on my, my, either it was my mom's car with my dad, doing basic oil changes, or working on my dad's truck, or mm-hmm. working on the go-kart even, you know, I've, I've, I've been wrenching as long as I can remember. Very, very cool. So. Good for you, and I would imagine, too, that that's a great, uh, a great skill to have as a race car driver because when you come back to your crew back to the pits you are mechanically aware of what it could be as opposed to having very little i mean you can even whether or not the suspension you know the does it need to be is it over towed or you know anything along whether it's under the hood or through the uh, through the linkages you have an awareness of it so you can speak the vernacular do you find that to be true yeah, yeah, definitely. Like just having my own spec Miata here at home and doing the setups on at home, and then going to like, for example, a mini Mini Cooper race. When I want to make an adjustment, I can uh, I know what that adjustment physically looks like and mm-hmm. how to do it. Mm-hmm. So me having all that mechanical uh, knowledge definitely helps me figure out what I need to do to the car and how to do it as well. Because most of the time. 
I feel like that uh, once if you have the knowledge of how to actually do it, it can make more sense on helping you figure out what you need from the car. If that makes sense. That's a great way to look at it. Well, it seems to me you're covering all the right bases for your, your racing career. So let's say that uh, it's five, ten years from now. You are, you've worked your way up. You're maybe in uh, GT3, GT2, um, targeting uh, LMP. I mean, whatever, whatever it might be, uh, what would be one of those dream cars that you would need to have in your private garage? Ooh, I mean, uh... Like in a race car sense, or like a daily driver. Well, or? just yeah, just in as far as your street legal, uh, total enjoyment car. Ah, uh, uh, it's hard to say. There's there's many of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like a like a Porsche GT3. Nice the RS. That would yeah. be pretty cool to have. Glad to see. I'm glad to hear you threw in the Ren Sport because that's that's the way to set it up. Full birdcage and everything. That's that's it. Yeah, exactly. That's Take it. it to the track and drive it to work every day. I'm telling you, that's that is the car. Even if it's the old nine nine seven or the new nine nine one or the new nine nine two, and even the previous nine nine one, when I do my Forza racing at home, that is yeah, that's my car of choice. I, I really enjoy it for sure. Yeah, it's, just, it's a, just it's a beautiful car. Mm-hmm. Well, talk a little bit if you don't mind, Clay. Uh, your racing aspirations. Obviously, you are. You know, doing uh, doing great already in TC America. You you mentioned about you've got of course the grassroots, but do you have a, a bit of a a plan with your career and, and how you'd like to advance? What um, you know what concentrations you'd like to get into? Whether it's open wheel or to stay more in, in the GT or to go towards you know, ultimately Le Mans style. I mean, what what like prototype? What's what's your angle? What are you hoping for? Um, well, actually, before I actually joined the mini JCW team, I did look into getting into some sort of open wheel racing. Uh, that was my main ambitions as goals was to get into some sort of open wheel and work my way up through the, the indie lights uh, or indie, road to indie ladder and mm-hmm. get up into indie car. Um, but then I once I did the, the mini Cooper race, uh, the first one last year, uh, it really opened up my field of view into the sports car world. Um, and uh, my biggest ambitions is to probably make it uh, into some sort of prototype racing mm-hmm. uh, within EMSA, or that would be my biggest ambition. So I think where I'm at right now, it's definitely aiming towards that direction. Uh, just got to make the right connections and whatnot. So Good. Um, I really, I'm really looking to get into the sports car world. Good for you. Yeah, it's a great place to be. Like to see someday, uh, see at a, at a place like Le Mans. I mean, how historic and, and monumental that would be. Do you yeah, have, that that would be a blast. Oh, for certain. Do you have? Uh, I mean, you mentioned earlier Sonoma, but do you have a a favorite track so far in your career? Um, so far I gotta say it was uh, Road America in Wisconsin. That was that was a pretty fun track. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been to. Uh, so far in my career, it's been Sonoma Raceway, Thunderhill Raceway, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, Road America, and uh, I think that's it as of right now. So, well, I thought that was an incredible photo of the mini in front of the pagoda at Indy. That was a great photo I found. Yeah, going right over the bricks. Oh my gosh, so cool! I hope you yeah. have a poster of that in your room or something. That is just. I I certainly do. <laughs> Framed and everything. Good, good man. Yeah, 
super surreal going, just getting there is pretty crazy. So sure, just to be able to drive there. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's good for you. I can't, uh, I can't imagine the, uh, the the feeling of that. It's one thing to be in the stands. It's quite another when you're down on the, the yard of bricks. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I had a interesting first experience there. Um, we had some flight delay problems, so uh, we actually had to fly into Chicago and drive to Indianapolis. And uh, I didn't realize that there was that time the time change from uh, Illinois to uh, uh, Indianapolis. So we, I was able, I missed first practice, and when I got there, there was probably ten minutes to spare before I had to hop in the car. So. Wow. I didn't even get to check anything out. I just hopped in the car, and it was my first session out at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So Wow. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. Do you have a bucket list? Is there an entry on that list that reads something like, drive a supercar on a racetrack? Well, if so, we know how to help. Check out one of our valued corporate sponsors, Extreme Experience. They make supercars accessible to anyone. In fact, Extreme Experience travels to over 30 racetracks around the United States with a fleet of supercars so that anyone can drive the car of their dreams. And that fleet includes Porsches, Lamborghinis, McLarens, Ferraris, and more. Some of those exotic supercars you'll find on the website include the Ford Mustang Shelby GT500, the Corvette C8 C51, the Mercedes AMG GTR, the Porsche 911 GT3 RS, Ferrari 488 GTB, and more. Anyone over the age of 18 with a valid driver's license can drive, and those drives start at $109. There are no limiters or adjustments made to the cars so that you can get the maximum speed possible. In fact, along with your price comes a professional instructor who's sitting in the passenger seat, and they are going to be encouraging you to go faster. I've done it, and it is awesome. If you're not ready to drive or you'd like to take along friends and family for another type of thrill, well, there is a high-speed ride-along available for anyone ages 12 or older. Those start at $69. And for this season, the Charger Hellcat Y-Buddy will be used for the ride-along. So it is your turn to experience the thrill of racing an exotic supercar on a real racetrack with no speed limits and no experience necessary. Be sure to visit TheExtremeExperience.com, that's T-H-E-X-T-R-E-M-E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E.com. And now back to our interview with Clay Williams. Clay, I was thinking with uh, listeners in 45 countries and all over the world, male, female, uh, as young as in the teens and all the way to their late 80s, uh, we've got followers that cover the board. What would you be able to say with those that maybe aren't as familiar with racing or maybe even just uh, younger folks that are early in their karting career and, and trying to, to build a, a racing career. What have you personally learned in racing over these 11 plus years that have helped, has really helped you and translated to your life, whether it be focus or collaboration or goal setting? Maybe you can share some, some things that you've learned. Uh, I mean, in, in racing, you, you face all sorts of different scenarios, whether it could be you have a big pack of cars ahead of you and you have to learn how to maneuver around everyone. It could be an up, you got to think of a plan on how to get around people. It could be, you know, keeping your nerves down before a race. You know, it could be all sorts of different scenarios. And, and within racing, having all these situations happen to me, uh, it's definitely, definitely have taught me things I could use outside of racing, Mm -hmm. you know, such as uh, planning a way to uh, meet my goals 
just like on how I would plan on how to get through these next three cars ahead of me. You know, uh, I think it's it's really has has taught me um, everything everything I know. And you know, I, I try to use racing in every way I can. Uh, like, well, whether it be trying to get a new sponsorship, I could think of tactics and ways and plans, just like I would do in racing, trying to get around a particular pack. Or as if, uh, you know, let's say my nerves are really high before a race, I might listen to music or uh, try to think about something different. And I would do that in real life if I have something, you know, like uh, a presentation I have to do to a sponsor or mm -hmm. things like that. I would just adapt that just like I do in racing. So, Great answer. I, I, yeah. I, I appreciate your candor, and that's a really well-thought-out answer. I, I appreciate that. What are some of the ways that you've even learned just in the, the, the sponsorship approach? I mean, that that's a whole other business strategy, and I know that with an interest in, in uh, entrepreneurial and, and business-type things, what, uh, what have you learned in, in sponsorship pursuit and what has worked and what hasn't worked and that type of thing? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the whole sponsorship world in racing, that's a completely different animal compared to just driving the car. So mm -hmm. I've, it's definitely been a long learning curve, and uh, some of the things I've definitely learned is that you always want to, when you go to a company, you always want to look at what their interests are. You never want to just bring up yours. You always want to figure out what they need or what they're, what they're wanting and help them with that. So nice. that they're always first, and then they then in return they can help you that that's one of the biggest things i've learned and i'm still learning to this day on how to achieve sponsorships and um, create mutual beneficial uh, partnerships excellent well i, I tell you, you you speak as if you're uh you know 10 15 years older than you are and that's really shrewd, <laughs> shrewd thinking and smart i appreciate that really sincerely and and i've been in business a long time and and uh and to to know exactly how you go about it I, I commend you and that's that's it both business relationships partnerships and otherwise it's you put yourself uh to the back seat and you simply say how can i help you solve a problem how can i make this better for you how can i get your product front and center how can i create a better image uh, you're i think that's really great stuff and and real super uh, super discussion point there so thank you for sharing that thank you are there topics that you'd like to share or anything kind of uh, uh, highlights you'd like to give to your, your sponsors or maybe even share your, your social media contacts so that folks can look you up and, and follow your career? Yeah, so uh, my, my Facebook is just Clayton Williams Racing. It's at my Facebook page, and uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's just Clayton Williams as well. And uh, I do have my website, uh, www.claytonwilliamsracing.com. And just a huge thank you to uh, Adobe Lumber and Donate Life America. They've been with me for quite a while now, my sponsors. So um, hopefully I can get some more here soon to continue my uh, passion. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being part of the show. And, in fact, I'm so glad that you mentioned Donate Life America because I have that here in my notes of things that I wanted to talk about. And as you know, Clay, you're getting to learn Cars of Carlisle podcast. We hope you come back. Uh, in the future, you are once you're part of the crew, you're always part of the crew. And as your career advances, we'd love to, to follow that and have you back here. But being that the podcast is just as much, if not more, about the people, the car people, the racing people, um, the hobby, and 
and the, and the vehicles themselves are what bring us together. I wanted to talk, if um, if you don't mind, just as we close here, on more of a human interest aspect, and that is that Donate Life America, I think, is, is particularly uh, important to you, not only as a sponsor, but you can relate to the fact that uh, with your mother and, and what she's been through um, over the last three decades and, and as far as transplant recipient and that this is very near and dear to your house. Do you mind sharing that? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, my, my mom has been through a lot in her life. She, she uh, went through a liver transplant uh, quite, a, uh, I think, about 25 years ago now. And uh, that was even before um, I was born. And then uh, she went on to face skin cancer and breast cancer. And uh, just recently, she, when I was just partnering with Donate Life America, she went through a uh, kidney transplant. And uh, luckily, my sister uh, was actually a perfect match donor. Good. So that was uh, pretty scary to go through, especially during the COVID. Uh, but uh, luckily, everyone's at home right now doing good. So... Um, it definitely hits home pretty well, and I'm, I'm glad to be partnered with Donate Life. Outstanding. Well, thank you for being such a good ambassador uh, to what they do and, and simply just a, a good uh, uh, sponsor ambassador in the, in the fact that you're, you're building a, a career the right way, foundationally strong, and, and you have a super support system. And um, I like I said, I, I keep tabs through Facebook and LinkedIn and and keep up the great work and hope to actually see a race in person someday. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it, and I, I hope to be back here soon. Anytime you will have you back anytime, Clay. So thank you very much, and wish you a great rest of your night. All right, you too. Thank you. We are back in Studio A. A big thank you to Clay Williams for being on the show. Look forward to having you back, Clay, uh, as you continue to advance your career. And speaking of that, as I'm a personal fan of IMSA and GT racing, I'm really looking forward to keeping tabs on Clay's racing career growth. And as he is able to step on to future podiums and, and continues to uh, expand uh, what he does in the auto racing realm. Well, my friends, what topics would you like to hear on this show? About what vehicles or what would you like to have a deep dive analysis on? Uh, this is your chance to help us with the episode programming. So let us know what topics you're interested in, because we want to hear from you. All right, the white flag is waving. We are on that final proverbial lap, and let's go to this week's trivia answer. As you recall, at the beginning of the show, I had posed the question of what U.S.-based race facility is known as, quote, America's National Park of Speed? The answer is Road America. And in some wiki research, found that Road America is... Uh, well, we know that it's uh, between the cities of Milwaukee and Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it is classified as an FIA Grade 2 circuit. Road America, which is confined to 640 acres, is one of only just a few road circuits in all the world that still maintains its original configuration. In length, it uh, is just over 4 miles. It's at 4.048 miles. Uh, that's 6.515 kilometers and contains 14 turns. Uh, with that, the track is known to have a lot of elevation changes, has a long front stretch where, well, depending on the class of car racing, uh, the top speed can 
approach nearly 200 miles an hour or 320 kilometers per hour. Um, one of the, the most popular or widely known features of the course is uh, there's a turn on the, the back end of, the, of the, the circuit that is known as the kink. So that is this week's answer to the question of what is America's National Park of Speed? Road America. We are definitely counting on you coming back next week and being part of this show. Thank you for continuing to be a Cuber and a fan of Cars of Carlisle. Because together it is all about car community, car culture. And for now, I'll sign off with drive well, be well, take care.